one thing that a lot of people aren't thinking about when it comes to male friendships is that men, just like everybody else, they need love and belonging. Like a lot of guys just won't admit that, but this is like a human need for everybody. And I think a lot of guys just think, you know, I don't need anybody and like I can do everything on my own or I have my girlfriend, my wife, like I don't need anybody else. Like she can meet all my emotional needs. Like, no, like you need male friends. I think a lot of men need a sense of belonging and they want to admit that they're lonely because saying that is vulnerable. Like I'm lonely and I need friends. If you search men's friendships online, you'll likely be hit with a ton of recent headlines highlighting what they're calling a crisis. And it's likely that these headlines reflect observations that you've made about the men in your own life. Maybe it's your partner, your brother, your father, who either doesn't really have people that he spends time with. And if he does, the friendships, while active, might lack the kind of emotional support that we expect these types of relationships to offer us. Now, one of the most recent surveys on the issue was conducted in 2021 with more than 2,000 adults as the Survey Center on American Life sought to understand how we're faring when it comes to friendship. Some of the findings may not have been too surprising considering, you know, some of the significant cultural and environmental changes that have transpired over the last decade. But one interesting theme was the trends for men. The survey found that the percentage of men with at least six close friends fell by half in the past 30 years. And the number of men who say they have zero close friends has increased fivefold. So what exactly is going on? And what do men themselves have to say about it? In the three years of hosting, scripting, and producing the Friend Forward podcast, I've never focused on men's friendship because here on this show, it's all about the ladies. But it is hard to ignore what's happening to the men in our lives. So We're intentional here about studying the unique ways that women connect, but I think it's time we turn the spotlight over to learn a little bit more about how to support the men we love and helping them experience the kind of support and satisfaction and connection that we are so intentional about studying here on the show. So for this episode of the Friend Forward podcast, I'm speaking with seven men from all walks of life about their experiences of men's friendship. And let me tell you, the stories that they shared with me really stirred me up. The young man that you just heard at the top of the episode is Sydney. And here's a little surprise. While I mostly exclusively work with women, I was moved by an email Sydney sent to me over a year ago telling me that he's been looking for support with his friendships, but he didn't know where to turn. He said he wished there was something like Friend Ford specifically for men. And I told him, well, if you're okay knowing that I specialize in women's issues, and you still want to work together, then I'm down. Let's have one session and just, you know, see if that is enough. Well, we've been working together now for more than a year and a half, and you'll hear more from him as the episode unfolds. I also spoke to Max Dickens, author of the book Billy No Mates, from across the pond as he shared with me the moment he realized he had a serious friendship problem. I was planning on proposing to my girlfriend, Naomi. I was looking for a ring with a couple of female friends of mine. We got the ring, went and had a glass of wine, and they said, so, Max, when you propose, who's going to be your best man? My mind sort of went blank, and I thought, oh, it's the Pinot Grigio. There must be someone. 
And I go home, get out a piece of paper and a pen, and I try and brainstorm. And it takes me about an hour to come up with 10 names. And I look down the list and I realize I work with half of these guys. And the rest of them, I haven't seen some of them for one, two, three years. And I thought, oh my goodness, where have all my male friends gone? Men do have a friendship problem. It's been really well documented. You know, that, that 21 survey from the Center of American Life talking about a friendship recession since 1990. The number of men saying they've got no friends has gone up five times. There's been similar surveys in the UK recently as well. But actually, when I looked at the research here, you go as far back as social scientists even started looking at this stuff. Early 70s, men have had less friends, especially less close friends, than women, which begs the question, what's going on and what can men do about it? This episode is an attempt to answer those questions. What's going on? Why are men feeling increasingly isolated? What are the consequences for men and women when there is an increasing number of friendless men? And then what we can do about it. So in part one of this episode, we'll look at what's going on. And in part two, we'll talk about some solutions. Now, as a part of my research, I spoke with Dr. Curtis Jasper, a psychologist and human behavior specialist whose work focuses on Black men's mental health. He shared a few of his insights. As the world has appeared to become closer, we're more disconnected than ever. And so the men that I work with, they are experiencing loneliness more from an authentic space than just a lack of quantifiable bodies that they can call friends. There's certain aspects. I offer them to redefine friendships from a standpoint of can you experience your entire humanity with these people, right? Is there a sort of a cumulative comprehensiveness that you get in front of these? Not, I went to high school with these gentlemen, so we kind of hold on to that, or I played ball with this man. Are your friends all inclusive? So that's the shift. Do you have friends? And once we start peeling back those layers, Danielle, we sort of narrowed down that number. So now it became from 10 to really like two. It's an exercise that any of us could benefit from, evaluating your friendships to see how many are genuine connections with the depth and which are more superficial. But is it the way that some men relate to one another that leaves them with fewer friends? There's lots of ways I was behaving, and I think a lot of men behave, that block us off from intimacy. I think the way men use humor with one another, what we would call you know, banter, like that kind of joshing, taking the mickey out of one another, it's kind of great fun, but it can create this barrier around you. And something I thought about a lot, actually, was permission. When you're in a group of guys, the way we relate to one another, you don't really feel you have that permission to show yourself in 360 degrees. You show certain versions of yourself, a certain you know, almost comical exaggeration, cartoon, blokey, masculine version of yourself, which can be okay, but we never really get into the nooks and crannies of one another. And it stems from our lack of ability to show affection with our friendships in the same way that women are really good at with one another. This idea of permission really stuck with me. Permission to be a more rounded character and not just play into a label or a caricature. With female friendships, one of the primary ways that we bond is through self-disclosure. Our friendships are established, negotiated, and even dissolved according to this one thing. 
We pride ourselves on having these inner workings and we share our flaws and fears and we are expected to bring these multi-dimensional aspects of our identity. And then we experience more intimacy because of it. But it seems that this is something that some men feel they need permission to do. And the absence of that permission may be getting in the way. One man who speaks so beautifully to this concept is Dennis Amadeus. He's a spoken word poet and social justice advocate here in Tampa, Florida, who I met a few years ago after watching one of his shows. And I enjoyed his performance so much that in 2017, I invited him to open my wedding ceremony with one of his poems, and I've been following along with his journey ever since. Here's what he had to say about the idea of permission and male friendship. I feel like the rift is the internal fear that the way that I've projected myself is going to crumble. I like that idea of permission. And that permission comes from the internalized ideas that we've taken in from the world, right? What's kind of been forced into us. But it was really in poetry world where I was able to develop relationships with men that were a lot more vulnerable, that were a lot more open to discussing things that I would not even discuss with some of my friends that I've held for a long time. Years ago, one of my friends, we talked about mental health issues. And uh, just talking to him about that, he kind of realized some of the stuff he struggles with his anxiety and where that comes from his childhood. And he told me, he's like, man, like I've never ever had a conversation like this before with another man. You know what I'm saying? I think in general, but just with another man. And I think that alone, those little things right there are some of the key points that are missing in a lot of men's experiences in the world is like, it, it adds to that internalization, which adds into the, you know, the struggles of being accepted outside of the bounds of what you yourself think you have to be as a man which ultimately leads to much bigger things. I think suicide, depression, things of that nature that men do struggle with because they don't have, they feel like they don't have these spaces or their friend groups aren't safe spaces for them to talk about some of these deeper issues. I mean, there's other subjects I could think about where even myself, even myself now with this wide variety of male friends, I still struggle with certain topics that I think lots of men struggle with, but do not feel safe to share that, you know? I think we end up boxing ourselves in and then uh, men feel very unheard. And now you got this army of like, we're oppressed men and, you know, I mean, suicide rate. And and they bring these like these things that they say are like are the reason why men have it worse in society. Ironically, it's the male relationship that's causing these pressures. Like the pressure that you have of being a man is based off of what you want other men to see you as. You know, I mean, the pressures of not being able to be vulnerable or not wanting to look weak is based off of what your expectation of other men are going to think about you. And I think that's like the ironic cycle of it. And these ideas get more specific and differentiated when we speak about friendship at the intersection of our various identities. So I asked Dennis to talk to me about his experiences navigating friendship as a Black man. I have a Black husband, a Black brother, father, son, and a heart overall for this particular group. These are my men. And Dennis shed some light on the complexities of this particular experience. I have friends from all spectrums, but I do think I hold my Black brothers closer than I do other people, just in a natural sense. And I think that's because I come from an environment where I had mostly Black men around me in my immediate environment. There's just that shared understanding of what it is to be a Black man in America. One thing that I do realize is, specifically for Black men, the rope is incredibly short for any kind of uh, expression of anger, any kind of expression of, you know, being displeased with society. Typically, what I see from Black men that are successful is they have to 
fit themselves into a very specific box. And I think there's just, there's this underlying struggle that Black men face in general because it's hard to break out of the stereotypical box. It's hard to be a man in the way that you feel like you should be a man while also not selling out your race. You know what I'm saying? We're not selling out the struggles of what you what your race has gone through. It's just there's this, this underlying camaraderie of that struggle that comes with with black men that isn't there with other men. And sometimes even when I have conversations with white friends, there's always this like line of like, all right, when are we going to get to the point where there's a serious cognitive dissonance in the realities of black and white people. You know, I think in a general sense, the relationships with black men have to be a little bit removed from just we're we're connected in the struggle, you know, or it's also like, yes, we're connected in the struggle, but also I'm an individual person who struggles in these other ways as well. It's clear to see that having the safety to be vulnerable is something that male friendships are so often lacking. And the sentiment came up time and time again by almost all of the men that I spoke to, especially with Sydney, my former client. I think like for me and my experience, vulnerability in men is weakness. It's not like a highly sought out trait in men because like we're just expected to like be strong and like, you know, know everything and like fix everything. Right. And so showing vulnerability like is a sign of weakness. And vulnerability, not necessarily like, you know, sharing like my traumas or like sad stuff, but just also like, just saying like, hey, I'm so glad I'm here with you, dude. Like, I'm really glad that we're friends. Like that stuff's vulnerable to say that, hey, I like you or I like spending time with you or like, hey, I miss you, dude. It is very foreign for them. And like a lot of the time they don't know how to respond. I think like you really have to be careful, like who you open up to, like who you're willing to be vulnerable with because A lot of men don't view it as a positive trait. As a part of this research, I spoke with Drew Newkirk, who is a psychotherapist, and he shared a powerful anecdote with me highlighting how men's fear of vulnerability and asking for help really can be a major barrier to connection. There's a misguided masculinity where I've got to present and pose in a certain way. I'm going to give you just a quick narrative here. I was once choking on meat at a dinner in Mexico. And when I started choking, the first thing I thought was to leave the table and hide. So I actually left the table, went around the corner, and I was choking by myself. And what I realized is that that is a very natural reaction when you are choking because of the fear of rejection and humiliation and shame. And what I realized is that the fear of rejection, if I take this metaphor farther, and the fear of shame of actually like either stepping into a hard conversation with a man, either telling him some hard truth or to ask for help, initiates some kind of shame reaction that pulls a person away. Tim is a man that I came across on Instagram after posting about wanting to do a men's friendship episode. He shared a bit of a story with me in the DMs about having a men's group that he started with his friends a few years ago, and it was created to respond to this very need. We started because we had one of our friends who was dealing with alcoholism. And I think it kind of hit a few of us that we weren't checking in with each other like enough. You know, we weren't on top of where somebody was struggling and maybe needed some help. So when we started doing this, in part, it was to like to to keep tabs on people, right? To like make sure everyone was doing okay. And also it came about because the one friend who had gone through that 
brought us to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting just to experience it. And it was really incredible. I mean, it was just, that is one place where you do have men being extremely vulnerable with each other. And we thought that that format was really helpful. And um, we thought maybe that would be something that we would want to try just to support each other. So we started with one call and it's funny, we only brought in four of us out of the 10. We didn't even tell anybody else that we were doing it. And eventually we brought people in one by one as we started to hear that they were struggling with something and maybe could benefit from this group. And it's definitely helped us. I mean, we've like gone through so many different types of life experiences with this group in just three years, like aging parents, parents who have passed, relationship issues, divorce, everything. Dr. Jasper, the psychologist you heard from earlier, also spoke to the power of vulnerability among men and how a little can go a long way. One thing that I'll share with you, Danielle, like this whole idea of men telling other men how proud they are of them is a huge thing. It goes so far. I was out at an event and I ran into one of my guys. I hadn't seen him for a while. And we chopped it up. And later on, he sent me a text and he said, dude, you really looking good. I'm so proud of you. I read the text like clearly he meant to send this to somebody else. Right. And it just really floated me for like 60 days. I didn't see it coming. And I do this work. I was like, whoa. And I said, no taking. I'm letting my guys, men know, black men in particular, how proud I am. I'm catching them being good, and I'm letting them know I see you, and I'm effing proud of you. This resonated a lot with me because this is something that women do so naturally and don't necessarily think twice about, at least many of us, right? You're out there with your girlfriend, and, and if you think something nice, you'll share the compliment with her. You'll be her hype girl when she's going for a job. You see a photo on Instagram and light her up with flame emojis. That's just what we do, right? <laughs> so what Dr. Jasper raises here is that some men don't do this as naturally, and this is something that's maybe naturally strengthening our female friendships and maybe we take for granted. It's not only that complementary spirit that binds us, but the intention that we have in our friendships. It's something I've been aware of anecdotally, but speaking to these men brought it to the surface as a possible solid difference in men's and women's friendships. One of the men who elaborated on this was Josh Talkington, one of my personal best guy friends. I met Josh a few years ago when I was working at a national nonprofit, and he was my manager and then quickly became one of my friends. Eventually, we left our job, him voluntarily, me by force, and we, we started our own small boutique PR agency. It was short-lived, but we remained friends and often trade messages and Instagram DMs and text messages. And Josh is the kind of guy that everybody wants to be friends with, both men and women because they both are taken by his humor and his wisdom and his storytelling. And as a former news reporter, maybe it's just all a part of his charm and just comes naturally to him. But since he had such a large social circle, I asked him about the differences he notices between his friendships with men and women. And he pointed to intention as one of those major differences. I feel like women tend to be a little more intentional with their friendships. So if they haven't seen somebody they really enjoy having in their life for, say, three months or six months, they're probably going to do something about it. They're probably going to reach out, schedule something, bring a group together, have a lunch, go out and dancing, do whatever. 
The pandemic, for example, put a stop to some of these things where men like to get together and go to something. And I think myself included for a lot of guys, it took us a long while to get back on track with, okay, the world has opened back up. I need to get back with my guys and go to the football game or go do whatever out that's now open back up. But when I talk to most of my friends now, I think that guys have become more isolated and they kind of got comfortable with, I can do this on my own and I don't need to compete with so-and-so and I don't need to you know, spend as much time with my friends as I did. And I just think the fact that men aren't as intentional about their relationships, I can go a year, two years, three years without seeing a guy friend, and I maybe won't take an intentional step to do something about that. That's pretty scary when you think about it. But there are guys that I consider very close friends that I probably have not seen in three years, five years, 10 years. Max, the author of Billy Nomates that you heard from earlier, also observed how women approach their friendships differently. How for them, it is something that's intentional, that they work on as a segment of their life. Whereas for men, it might often slip down on their priority list. I talk about getting on the dashboard of your life. Guys generally measure income, the reps they can do on pull-ups in the gym, right? <laughs> They've got that on there. But what you know, what's on the dashboard? Like my wife, Naomi, she knows, I don't know how she does it. She's like, this huge third brain, right, of going, I haven't seen... Susan for two weeks, right? I need to send her a text. Um, <laughs> Samantha needs needs a meal now, right? She's amazing, but it's on the dashboard, right? It's one of the things like the levels that go up and down, right? Imagine a spaceship that she's totally monitoring all the time. But I think guys maybe need to be brought to that moment of confronting it. It's about calling guys to account a little bit and to say, Look, do you think your social life is on track, or do you think that's something you want to work on? What became apparent in these conversations is that friendships shift over time, and intention becomes even more important because the challenges we face, the number of demands we have to prioritize as we get older, they force us to recalibrate and renegotiate how we spend our time, our resources, and how we pursue the relationships that we claim matter most of all. I do think, though, the older you get, your friendship circle does indeed tighten up when it comes to your close-knit friends. And you don't have as much time. I think that there are a lot of challenges as you get older that you don't just have these kind of casual friendships that you used to have when you were in your teens, in your 20s, and your 30s. If we have someone in our life that we consider to be a, a pretty close friend, or maybe at some point they were, and now there seems to be a disconnect, and I'm preaching to myself here, have we done anything intentional in the last year or two to spend time with that person and go beyond just shooting off a text message about, you know, the result of a sporting event that happened over the weekend or something. So yes, I said, take a lesson from the females who seem to be doing this a little bit better than we are in the friendship realm. Sydney, my former client, also spoke to his experience of how the challenges men face with friendships can be exacerbated with the inevitable changes that come as life continues. I just think that like a lot of guys, they think that if they have a girlfriend or have a wife, like that's it. They don't need other people in their lives for their emotional needs. A lot of guys do like cut off all their male friends and just hang out with their girlfriend all the time. Like there's sometimes I'm like, wait, where did so-and-so go? The friendship survey that we referenced at the top of the episode reveals that single men might be fearing the worst. One in five American men, it finds, who are unmarried and not in a romantic relationship, report not having any close friends. What Sydney reflects on here is the way when men get into relationships, they can neglect their friendships, 
But what's interesting is that there's also a causality that goes the other way. And partnered men not having good friendships can have negative consequences for their romantic relationships too, sometimes even causing their breakdown. Now, this is only part one, where we take some time to dig into what the problem is and how men are feeling about the current state of their friendships. But in part two, we're going to dive a little more into the solutions for these problems, both what men need to do for themselves and what women can do to support them. Until next time.